Welcome, everybody. This is Hani Rambod, and you're listening to The Truth Podcast. I have a special guest today, Mike O'Hearn, who is an absolute legend, who's been doing professional natural bodybuilding for many, many decades, as well as being an entrepreneur. He's also in a new movie called Generation Iron, Natty for Life. It, he also has his own supplement line. And we're getting ready to have a really great discussion with him because I haven't seen him in probably at least a year and a half since the last time we ran into each other at Gold's Venice. So let's go ahead and let's get him here on the Zoom. Stud muffin. What's going on, brother? You baby. <laughs> You're living the life. We got the flags up. Yeah, that's right, brother. That's right. Like we're we're all American. Like, that is awesome. All right. So, Mike, thank you for so much for your time. I know it's been a really long time since I got to see you in person because of the whole COVID situation going on. How you doing, man? How's how's everything treating you right now? I'm loving life. I'm loving life. I, it, the COVID is obviously what it is, but I'm making the best out of it, and uh, we're continuing forward. Are you guys able to go anywhere, do anything? Because I know you don't live too far from Venice, right? Uh, no, I'm 10 minutes from Venice, um, but I got a gym at the house. Uh, we got other gyms as, as well. I love the fact that after the uh, first shutdown and then everything kind of opened back up and then they tried to shut it back down again. I love that people stood up and said, nah, we, we ain't shutting down again. And so a lot of gyms didn't shut back down. So we got gyms. Um, I'm not guest posing or traveling as much, which has worked out nice for me because I just had a baby. So yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so it's, it worked out kind of cool. I got to, uh, see the whole first year of his, uh, creation. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to talk about because you and I have known each other for many, many years and believe it or not, Mike is what? 51? 51. 51 years old. I mean, you look like you're 31, but you're 51 and I, uh, you've kind of what what's been the secret to keeping you so young i mean besides training taking care of yourself and with the eating but what else are you doing man it was the i'm the annoying guy when it comes to the eating um and that started young i mean because you you know me so for the ones that don't know me i started uh i was kind of bred into this lifestyle of athletics because uh, I have nine older brothers and sisters competed in powerlifting, bodybuilding, martial arts, and that's my sisters as well. Um, my sister won Miss Washington. Uh, my other sister took fourth at the North Americans. My brother won Mr. Washington, powerlifting champions. Um, so we were bred for this. So I started at nine, starting to eat right and, and starting to train and train. And with older brothers, you know, I'm getting my ass kicked and I'm training, just trying to hang with them. And that never stopped. I just ingrained it at such a young age and started uh, Olympic lifting at 13, bodybuilding on stage at 14 and powerlifting, uh, martial arts throughout that whole time. And uh, I just never went away from that two to three hour, that philosophy of, of feeding a baby. I never left that. And I think that's the, that's the one key point that I used uh, food as medicine throughout my whole whole career. So you started training basically in your early teens, like right, 12, 13 years old? Uh, pre, pre-puberty. Eight, nine, uh, I was already on the bench press. We had a whole gym in the basement of our house. So everybody was training there. So nine, uh, competed in Olympic lifting meet at 13. Wow. I was already moving. At 14, I, uh, at 14, I cut down from 205 to 176 
walked on stage at 14 years old and, and won the teenage Washington beating 19 other 19 year olds. Wow. Two weeks well, later, competed at a powerlifting meet and benched 275 in the powerlifting meet uh, at 14. And then just, then I hit puberty. So let me ask you this, because a lot of people don't know my personal competing background because I competed as a natural athlete my whole life until I, I got really injured really bad um, with my ACL tear. And I, I, I remember John Lindsay coming up to me and he's like, stick to coaching. Once you get this, your knee fixed, stick to coaching because you're so good at it. And he was talking me into like basically bringing in more people because it would help his shows. But indirectly, he was also helping me with just guidance. I mean, I don't think it was anything. Um, and you know, John Lindsay really well too. And, and um, you know, starting off as a competitive athlete myself. And I was a person who basically gave up the competing right after my injury and focused on coaching because I started coaching at a very young age. But with you, what I really wanted to know is, was it something, this whole thing about natty or not, you know, it's like natty or not. I mean, you even congratulations, by the way, on the new movie. I know that, um, you know, that that's been, uh, people have been talking about it. I, from what I've heard, it's, it's right up there with the first generation iron in terms of popularity because two and three and the other ones haven't really lived up to the hype of the first one, but this one seems to be catching a lot of steam. And from what I've heard, it's, it's right getting right up there with the first one, um, at least with buzz, if not af- actual revenue dollars. Well, thank you. Um, it's funny that I actually have four movies out right now, but everybody's only talking about that one. Wow. What are the other ones? Uh, I got a movie called Sups the Movie, which is talking about the health and fitness industry. It's a documentary, again, with Alex Ardente. And then I got two theatrical ones. Um, the Con Man, where I play a uh, the true story of uh, uh, Barry Minko, and I was the hitman, uh, Mr. Green, that was uh, trying to kill him. And then another movie called, a comedy called uh, The Newest Pledge, where I play a police officer that's trying to keep a frat party going. So are these on Netflix or are these, where, where are these at? Uh, Amazon Prime and uh, uh, the uh, theatrical movies are on Netflix. Okay, I have yet to see the Sups one because Sups is the one that um, Alex, which I've known Alex for a very long time as well, uh, ended up releasing, I believe it was last year, right? Yeah, I, I think it it was supposed to, it's only been out from, I don't know, a short period of time, but it's, yeah. it's great, man. And he's a great guy. Yeah, Alex is a good guy, and we've done many shows shoots together. I've actually hired him when I we used to do some shoots for uh, both Evogen and some of the other uh, brands I've worked with. It was he's a great guy, and he's also got a really good eye for um, detail. And so, he's been around. Yeah, he's been around. He's been around, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But so going back to the natural history of your you know bodybuilding background, was it something that you've always said, "Hey, look, I just want to stay natural," or was it something that you said? I mean, how did, how did that go on in your, in your, in your mentality, your thinking? Yeah, the mentality was different. First of all, um, I think most people think of me as, as in mostly in the health and fitness world, they think of me as a bodybuilder. Um, but it's, I've done more stuff outside of the bodybuilding world. Um, I competed longer in powerlifting, um, martial arts, uh, than TV shows like gladiators and battle dome and days right. and all this stuff. But the point that I think I grew up uh, absolutely in love with Bruce Lee and the philosophy. Um, my dad was a teacher, so we were taught young to pay attention, listen, hold off on asking questions until we apply something. 
and then ask the questions. And so what I did is I, I watched my older brothers and sisters and I, I got to see my sister as she got ready because uh, I was getting ready for Teenage Nationals um, with uh, Chris Cormier and Gerard Dente and those guys. Uh, and this is way back uh, when I was first in the magazines back in 87. And I, I saw this one teenager because the, the Teenage Nationals at this time was going to be taking place up in Washington. So I'm like, I'm doing Teenage Nationals and I'm 17 and, and everybody's like, you're going to get your ass kicked. And I'm thinking I'm the shit. You know, I'm, I'm 17, I'm 220 walking on stage. So I'm a big, big boy and I'm 270 off season at 17. And uh, you were 270 fucking pounds. <laughs> I was 270 by 15 and a half. How tall are you, Mike? Six three. So big boy. remember what I was talking about earlier? I cut down from uh, 205 to 176 pre-pure. Yep. A year and a half later is when I weighed 272 at 15 and a half and competed in powerlifting, won the state in powerlifting. So I've been this size since 1985. So when people go, hey, wait, no, 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 wait, whoa, you're, you're a complete, dude, I've been the same size for since the 80s. Right. I'm no different. The only thing different is the consistency of denser muscle and time under the weights and the years and years of maturity muscle. Well, did you get that from your parents? Do you think, Mike? Is that is that like? Do you feel like it's genetic? It's just like is it your mom's side, your dad's side? Because it's got to be genetic, bro. It's got to be genetics because it can't be anything else. No, I my if you saw my family now, you wouldn't know. Um, None of your brothers and sisters got the gene. They all competed. They all they all did well. They all competed. I don't know. I, I throw genetics out the window. Um, I know people are going to hate that, but I throw genetics out the window because how many times have you and I know known the most genetically gifted guy and the guy that beats him is the guy that puts in the work 10 times. Absolutely. Happens all the so time. I hate to go to genetics. Uh, do, maybe do I have some genetics? Yeah, I, I got some healthy genetics in the sense of uh, um, youth, uh, all of our family, my sisters, even at 60, look very, very young. Um, so, uh, and healthy, healthy, um, German, Irish. But what I saw, going back to the original thing about, did I think about doing steroids? I said I was going to at one point. I said, when I get enough finance, when I get time where I can be a full-time bodybuilder, right. do it. So two things happened. One is, I was continuously learning by watching and I saw the mistakes and the benefits that my sisters and brothers did. So when the teenage nationals going back all the way to the beginning of this convo is I, I saw this teenager and I was like flipped out. This teenager had these traps up to the ears and just these huge legs. And I'm like, Holy shit, I am going to get my ass kicked. Now up to this point, my family's all at the house. You see them every day. You don't really see trans transformations. Mm -hmm. I didn't notice is that the person that I was looking at was actually my sister. And when she turned around, she changed that much being on steroids. Oh, it was your sister that was on steroids. It was my sister that was on steroids. Wow. And I looked at her, not even realizing I've seen her every single day, but she cut off her long blonde hair. And I was seeing her from the back with the short hair. Teenage nationals are in town. So I didn't even assume that was my sister. And she turned around and I was so blown away that that slapped me in the face. Did you think it was a dude? I thought it was a dude. Wow. It was so changed and so different that I go, holy shit, that's, that's, that's bizarre. That, that can change 
the most skinny individual to something freaky. And that kind of slapped me in the face and I go, whoo. Um, and as the years went by, cause I was 17 at the time and the years went by, obviously, you know this, and I don't know why the majority of society doesn't know this. Can you keep everything from steroids? So if you do steroids, you do a cycle of steroids for six months, can you keep it? No. So basically, society is basically saying, I've been on steroids since I was 12 years old. Right. 12 year old getting this, you know, cause you had to do something for the first couple of years to get jacked by 14. So it's one of those things that I was like, hmm, I'm pretty big, I'm a monstrous kid. I'm already in the papers and the magazines at 17. I'll keep waiting a little longer. And then if I want to go there, I know I could be an absolute bizarre freak. Then at 20, this is what established the no-go. I, I book American Gladiators. I'm doing a cover shoot, Joe Weider's there, four other Mr. Olympias are there. And we're all doing the photo shoot and Joe comes up to me and goes, I want you to shoot last today. No problem. So everybody shoots and shoots out. And then we just had the Mr. Olympia. And then after they left, I start shooting and Joe comes up to me. And this doesn't mean anything to anybody else except for me, but Joe came up to me and says, how you look now is how the majority of the world would want to look. Right. Change that. Just that wider look that more pe people aspire to have that overall look. What do you think that look was like compared to what bodybuilding is now? Is it like, was it like a men's classic physique look? I was, just was, a, a, I was a, a big kid. I just won the universe. Uh, I, but it was sleek. I wasn't nearly as big as everybody else that was there. Obviously it was the Mr. Olympia uh, just happened. So we were all doing a shoot. Um, it, it was not nearly, I was bigger, but you know me in person, you know, yeah. I'm a huge person there. Um, but when it comes to bodybuilding, body, bodybuilding is a, an illusion of beautifulness on stage. Right. Like they're 400 pounds. Right. Stage standing next to me, I'm a monstrous of a guy. And so they were 10 times better bodybuilders than me. No doubt about it. But it was the global reach that I could do that when Joe said, stay like this, I like you like this. I'm going to use you for the covers and the stories and talk about your training philosophy and all that. You don't need to do anything. And that, those things, seeing my sister and how much it changed. Um, Joe Weider saying, you're cool where it is. That for me was, wait a minute, I got American Gladiators, I got TV. If I can continue on my own path, I don't need to be Mr. Olympia to make a career. And the ultimate right. for me, I wanna lift my life away. That's what I wanna do. I love, love lifting. I don't think there's a human alive that loves it more than me that I wake up in the morning and I bleed it and I just want that battle. And it's not just lifting to look good or be strong. It's just the mental battle that I love that, uh, that fight. Um, and so it was at that time I said, there's no reason for me to go another route. Cause I don't need to be 350 pounds ripped on stage. How old were you when that happened with the 20, meeting with Joe? With Joe Weider. Wow. 20. I was already on the covers. I was already in there. I was already, on TV, I was like, things are going pretty good. Why do I need to switch up? And then the other thing is, I want to be able to keep what I had. And if I can just keep what I had and just continue to do very little, if you go back to the the photos of me throughout the years, if somebody goes, hey, you can put on, what is it? Five pounds a year muscle? Yeah, maybe if you're lucky, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've averaged, <laughs> it, it is basically down to, I've averaged about a pound of muscle 
since I was 20. It's all I've put on my body. So when I guess pose now and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's very, it's a very small thing, but it's over a period of 35 years. Yeah. Well, people ask me all the time because they say, Hey, look, can somebody look like Mike naturally? And I'm always a person who leans towards, I hope you say no, no, I I always, no, I tell people to argue this point. (laughs) I know. I told them I, it's I, I I don't argue it. I just I've lived it right. Like I've never looked anything close to you. I was one tenth of what you look like. Genetics, um, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I, I killed myself to get ready for my shows, and I stopped competing it right when I got hurt, right in my mid mid twenties. And what happened though was that even when I was getting ready, and I would get these strength spurts, and people would see me in the gym. And I remember I was at Gold's in Santa Barbara when I was going to UCSB. And I would close, you know, close grip 315 for eight reps. And again, I was 165 pounds. And people were like, oh, there's no way you're clean. And I'd be like, look, dude, I mean, first of all, you can tell because I'm not going to be super shredded. <laughs> I'm, you know, as a natural bodybuilder. But one of the things was that everybody would come over and be like, you got to be taking something. You got to be doing something. And it's like, no, I'm sitting here. And that's what got my supplement game strong. That's how I started designing all my products and started saying, okay, you know, how do I feel on two and a half grams of creatine four times a day versus five grams twice a day? Is that making a difference? What am I, what else do I need to add? Reading all the clinical research. So again, in me with having a science background, I really dug into it. So I actually, you know, I, I say absolutely he can be natural. Now, is it turn around and someone says, hey man, well, do you think he might be taking a little growth hormone or something like that? I go, look, man, at the end of the day, only Mike knows what what Mike does or doesn't do. But at the end of the day, I always give natural uh, competitors the benefit of the doubt because again, I was a natural competitor and you know, just a 10th of the size you were uh, or are. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things that is it possible? Absolutely. But are, is it, is it one of those things that do people think that when they look at you, it screams drugs? I think a lot of people think that because they want to go to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. That's why it's just, that's natural. You know, if somebody gets rich and they say, Hey, you know, he's got family money or this happened or it happened overnight. They don't know that, you know, I've been grinding for a long time. You've been grinding for a long time, but then they'll say, Hey, it was overnight. So for me, I always like to give it the benefit of the doubt. And that's why if somebody says, Hey man, I'm natural. I'll be like, Hey, I believe you because I have no reason to, because again, I would have been on the other side of that fence. So at the same, you also know this, there was no, I started before social media and is it was in the magazine before social media. What the heck point would it have been beneficial for me to stay natural in the eighties and in the nineties when I couldn't talk about it because of Joe Weider. Right. Talking about it. He's just keep your mouth shut, do your thing. I love it. But we talk about your training and your eating and stuff, but we don't talk about nothing else. Okay. So what was the point of, of, of doing it? I ain't making money because nobody, let's, let's clear this up. Nobody makes money saying they're a natural bodybuilder. Correct. That, just, it, it doesn't happen. Um, you, you make money because you win shows uh, and, and you're something that a very few other people are. So, I mean, and you know, that's one point, but I think you're right. When it comes to size alone, that's the thing. But I think the one thing you know about is, is you get bigger, you get smaller, you get stronger, you get weaker, uh, you get injuries. You kind of go back to what the base of what you are is. Um, but that's the one thing that it's, I'm still 
as strong as I was in the mid eighties. So how does that, I've been on this stuff my entire life and not only am I healthy, let's skip that. Let's say, let's say I'm, do you do, do, you do blood work, Mike? Do you do blood work? I do. How often do you do your blood work? I started doing colonoscopies at 35 because I lost my dad and we, it runs in the family. We do blood work and, and doctors just cause I, we, we don't have the greatest genetics when it comes to cancer and all that kind of stuff. Right. Test everything. Um, and I've also, has anybody my uh, entire life? So what? Check that. I've eaten high protein my entire life. Entire life. Right. So it's, it's again, another thing to check up. But I think with, with anybody, it, first of all, they have to understand that you have to like, I, I love that Tom Brady said this, you got to give up your life to beat me in this sense. And I've given up my life to do what I love. Um, it, it's four o'clock in the morning every day for since the mid early eighties. So can somebody do it? Sure. Are they psycho to do it? I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the ride. Uh, I've been able to do it. Here's the biggest thing. It doesn't matter if people believe it or not. What I love the fact of is we know guys from the mid eighties that were in the magazines with me on stuff or off stuff. There's very few still around and there's nobody that I can think of that's still guest posing like I'm doing. So I'm doing something right in a sense. Absolutely. And that's where, when it comes to the training and the nutrition, whether you're quote unquote natural or not, or whatever you want to do at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is you have to go in there with a purpose. You got to go in there a purpose you get with your training and with your nutrition. And that's why I'm, I, everybody wants to say, Oh, this guy, look, he looks amazing. It's got to be from, you know, he's so crazy enhanced. He's probably taking everything under the sun. And I turn around and I tell people what the end, at the end of the day, what it's really about, it's about training and nutrition because those guys that are relying on that are going to be around for a very short period of time because you can't buy gains in a bottle. And if you do, it's a very short period of time and they're going to be a flash in the pan and they're gone. And you've seen them come and go. Like you've seen probably you and I have seen three or four generations. I'm a little bit younger than you. And um, it's one of those things that you start, you see these guys and they come in and then they come in, the bigger they are, the, the harder they fall. And it's just, they destroy their health and then they're out. And it's about the longevity. It's about the eating. It's about the training. It's about making sure that you're actually Why making sure the foundation. Because... Honestly, the reason why I think it got lost is because people want a shortcut and they want to turn around and feel like there's something. No, they want to buy solutions. You can't buy those kinds of solutions. Those are solutions that we're talking about are through hard work. Again, whether you want to believe Mike is natural or not, my whole point is that the consistency with the training and the consistency of the eating is where it got him to look the way he does at 51 years old. Plus, I don't know. Let me ask you about this. Do you use Botox? Oh, I do. I Botox. Okay. All right. So I was going to say you had to, cause I'm like, bro, there's gotta be a little bit of Botox in there. A couple oh, of yeah, years here and there. We Botox. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, when you're, when you're looking at it and you go, okay, here is what the, the absolute foundation of this is, is nutrient training and nutrition. And when you have people talking in your ear, when I say people, it's the person that's in the gym that might just be gaining a little bit of weight or the guy that's saying, Hey, look, man, this is what I heard. It's, uh, you know, my friend's roommate's girlfriend turned around and said that this guy's taking this, you know, and that's where people get lost in the weeds. They start getting distracted. They lose the emphasis 
and the focus should be on training and nutrition. So on training and nutrition, let's go into that a little bit because I think a lot of people yeah, can I, get a lot. I things. think you're, you're right on one aspect is that you lost, when you're trying to shortcut it, you can't keep it. Um, and for, for the majority of society, I'm a, they see me visually and they go, ah, ah. but then, and that's the most of the videos that come out. Most of the videos are your visual, but nobody's ever talked about the fact that uh, the size of me as a pre puberty kid or the strength I've had consistent throughout the whole three and a half decades. So that stuff is, is, is funny cause that's pushed to the side. Well, you can't be strong every day. Well, I, I have, but it's, it's again, it's not strength for what's possible. It's just strength for I'm a strong guy. Um, and it's maintainable if you train smart. And I think when it comes to training and nutrition, you and I discovered something early. We discovered that training, if done correctly, could be longevity. And food is medicine, if done correctly. Absolutely. And, and, the, and the core values that I, and I brought in, in at a young age is take care of the skin, because that's the first thing everybody sees. Um, so when it comes to Botox, so I have very few wrinkles, but it's the texture of the collagen in the skin because I wear sunblock and, and lotion since I was a pup. You drink collagen? Huh? Do you drink collagen? Yep. But it's the fact that people go, you got Botox. Okay, but Botox doesn't get you the cover shots. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's the collagen in the skin and how healthy you keep that or sun damage and all those kind of little things. Yes. It's not the last five years I've done this. I've taken care of the skin my whole life. And that's why I have no stretch marks. I mean, you might have been around, you get the guys backstage and their stretch marks. All I got no stretch Absolutely. marks. Right. Well, and you never blew up like that either. So that's why you never, and that's another telltale sign when guys get the 20, 40, 50, 60 pound weight uh, swings. And you never got to that point. Um, going back to, I, I do want to talk about your training because there's some things that I want to talk about your training and your nutrition because You've been training in Venice for a while. And right now, what do you think the number one thing is to minimize injuries? What do you think people do incorrectly that could minimize the injuries to get them to lift the kinds of weight? Because right now, what are you doing in terms of your dead, your your bench? What are you doing dumbbells wise? Just give me some numbers because I don't know how heavy you're going right now. Um, I go up to about 450, 500 on incline. I go up to around 600 on squats, but I also do a... Uh, form range on squats to where I'll go down to a basketball uh, for hip mobile. How many reps are we talking here? Uh, I keep in between threes and fives. I keep lows. Um, but then I also at my birthday, I'll do 315 for 50 reps at one sitting. And that's on that's on uh, squat? That's on squats. Um, bench, I do what I call a farm boy deadlift. Mm -hmm. It's a powerlifting deadlift because it doesn't do anything for me to – um, deadlift that and not get the secondary work on the movement. So I changed form on a lot of stuff to benefit me for the long run. Um, but again, I just trained with Thor this last year and uh, we both did reverse bench and he beat me by two reps. And we're talking about the strongest man in the world on one end. And on the other end, you're talking about a guy a hundred pounds less than them. That's in his fifties. You think he's enhanced? I, I think he's just a monster of a man. <laughs> he's a fucking beast. I don't know, I don't know why people sit there and, and just go, uh, you know, that's, that's some people are just genetically monsters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I didn't ever knew you were that big. I knew you were a big kid, 
but I didn't know you were like 275 as a teenager. I was I was the biggest kid at Teenage Nationals with Chris Cormier there and Gerard Dente and all those guys. Where'd you end up placing? Fifth in the heavies at 17. That, yeah. So what did you end up going back at all after that? Uh, I know my dad says no more of that. You're competing against men. And at, at, at 17, at the end of that year, uh, I only competed against men in men shows. And by Got 19, it. I was winning Mr. Washington as a teenager. Got it. And so, so and the same thing with powerlifting. He had me going off and I was competing against, you may not know him, but Bull Stewart uh, to me was a huge influence because Bull Stewart was, again, he looks like a black Hercules, uh, a power lifter who was drug tested and did an 815 and 815 and a 500 at 242. But he looks like Mr. Universe. So you have a physique to match the the, the strength. Yeah, but he's, he was ahead of everybody. The closest I came to him was over a 700 at seven, uh, 19 years old squatting um, and over seven deadlifts. Um, I matched him on the bench, but he would always beat me at nationals. And so, but I was happy because I was a 19 year old teenager taken in the men's second place in nationals to the right. best lifter in the world. So those kind of things, the fight, it was more about the fight for me competing against Chris Cormier and Gerard Dente at teenage nationals. It was a fight not really caring about the win. Um, and that stayed true to me there. You're going to find guys that just like the battle. And I'm the guy that likes the scrap in the battle. I love training with like Thor, or Brian Shaw and these guys. What about our buddy, Mark? You forgot Mark, <laughs> Mark Bell. I love Mark. Um, Cause Mark's an odd cat like me. We both grew up with dyslexia. So we had so many similarities, so many similarities growing up. Um, so it, it's for me, I realized powerlifting wise, when I kept taking a, a second to Bull Stewart Nationals and then winning the California and all this and powerlifting, I realized when I was doing gladiators, I had to change my training because good, I was a powerlifter and I was doing good and I was doing good in bodybuilding, but it wasn't translating to outside. It wasn't translating to me being the best Michael Hearn I could. And so that's when I started changing my forms on squats and bench and started came up with my own philosophy of training. And that I didn't realize 30 years ago would allow me to continue to train just as heavy today, 30 years later, where the majority of society, again, you can explain this, the cartilage is gone. The tenants are done. The, the, the body is shut down. There's so many injuries and always just because of wear and tear, maybe they trained right, but it's just wear and tear. And I'm still well, able to do this. Well, that's why this is called the truth podcast. So what I want you to do is explain to the people that are listening, what specifically food wise and training wise, did you do different than everybody else? Were they getting it wrong and you're getting it right? That allowed you to get this, you know, continue to stay strong. What are you doing? Are you, are you not, you know, like with the training, is it because you're not training more than so many days a week? Is it because you're also not hitting a certain percentage of your max? What is it exactly? It's, it's good points there. Uh, one is the, the, the brain and how the body feels governs everything. Um, ego never comes into play in the sense of pushing it. You and I grew up in the era of, uh, cause my first workout partner in Venice was Tom Plass. You've seen those workouts. Yep. Tom is a beast. You can understand as a 20 year old, what I was doing psycho, we trained legs for three hours. Yeah. 
but I kept watching the elders and I could see the wear and tear. I love that. The elders, the elders, um, that's who you got to watch, man. Listen to them. They got everything to say. It's it, I, we'll go back into this later, but it's interesting that the 20 year olds have all the followers when the 20 year olds haven't learned anything where I would listen to you. I would, I want to know everything that you did, right? What'd you do wrong? Because you're talking to everybody about what you made mistakes on when you were younger. That's right. what I want to know. What'd you do right? And so when it comes to training for me, I realized I need to go into the gym, do the least amount of work possible, but still get better. Um, so go in, I, I believe in heavy weight makes the body change. I think what's your average workout time? Huh? Average workout. How long does it take? No, no, no clock. Okay. So are you in there a couple hours? Is it I, like I am there definitely a couple hours talking smack in between sets. I take as long as I want between sets. Okay. I never, you, it, it's a hundred percent on a set. I don't need fatigue. I don't need fatigue. I don't need failure. Um, anything like that. I need to tear the fibers. That's the ultimate goal to move as heavy possible weight. Um, and this goes back to, are you doing any high, high, high volume at all? Are you doing any high volume sets? Are you doing anything with high volume in it with more at than the 10 very reps? Last, the last exercises. But again, it's going to be the heaviest weight for 20 reps. It's going to be 315 on incline for 20. Is right. what it, be. it won't be a 135 for 35 reps or anything like that. There's right. only so much cartilage we have and you're going to deteriorate it. The reason why I believe that that works for me is, is the philosophy of what's better for you. Uh, 10 pounds, a hundred times or a hundred pounds once. Well, a hundred pounds once, because not only is it stimulating the body, but it's making the body adapt to that heavier weight and your body will adapt to the pressure it's put under. So if you can constantly for me and the people I work with, if you're constantly under heavy weight for you, the individual, right? the individual, um, then your body is going to adapt to that and understand that. I got to stay strong because I am squatting today. Again, I'm not going to go over to the Smith machine or bypass those kind of things and do just equipment. And that's the one thing I saw that all the elders, when they started going, I'm done with that stuff. I'm going to go lightweight and machines mm -hmm. body. Just, it just shrivels away. Right. And I saw that and I saw that over and over and over again, the indented tricep, as soon as they go away from close grip and tricep extensions, okay, there's something there. You know, it's, it's the continuous, no pressure on the nervous system. And I know that people get freaked out about that and people go, Ooh, it's, it's, I think you can say this as well as I, you can get injured on anything. You can get injured walking down the stairs Yes. And blow your knee out. So don't let's, let's just remove that concept of the situation. You can get injured doing anything. Can you get injured doing squats? Of course you can, but can you actually get better doing squats? 100%. You can get more range of motion in your hips. You can trigger the nervous system and you can keep that poundage on your back to where these women are 60 year old power lifters and 70 year old power lifters. And you're like, wait a minute, how is she 60 or 70? When my grandmother is 60 or 70, she's walking with two canes and two replaced hips, right? Your body yeah. adapts. Absolutely. I think, I think the key to muscle growth, especially in bodybuilding it's, and this is kind of why I created my FSC seven, um, years and years ago, it was because you have to get a stronger muscle is a bigger muscle. And so you have to get stronger if you want to get bigger. 
And then it's also about load. And so you have to put volume in with weight. And that's why everyone thinks, oh, FSC seven is, is 30 seconds. I mean, it's like a pump set. And I'm like, no, bro. Like if you watch the videos of me training Phil or Jay or any of the guys that I've worked with, you'll see that they're hardworking sets. And so they're higher volume, less rest, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to force a, a response. And that's where I've learned to be able to get more of a three-dimensional physique, get, get my people a, a more three-dimensional physique. And that helps you get that round fibrous muscle that when you lean out, that you start seeing the spaghetti strings across the chest and everything else. But if you go light, all you do is you get into the small, you know, it just, you just get smaller, you go lighter. Oh, I'm just gonna do lighter with more reps. You just get smaller. And that's where people have to really learn that you have to keep your strength up while you're dieting. And that's how you're going to minimize muscle loss. And that's how you're going to come in your best look. A, if you start to lose too much strength, you're not going to look right. I don't care who you are. And I think also they, they watch one set of your stuff on social media and they go, I know what your plan is. I got you. Very little rest, high reps. I got it. No, that's it. You just saw one set. You have no comprehension what they did before that. And you're talking about the movement of the weights and stuff. And, and there was probably some compound movements where you went less reps and tank time between. And then yes. That, that's exactly it right there. That's that's a high intensity is what, Why what it do does. Why skip all that? Everybody Be skips it. They skip because it. it's inherently people want to listen to what they, they, they want to answer their own question before they want to listen to the answer that the person's about to give you. I just, I think it's just human nature. Um, you know, the person, I've worked with a lot of people and the number of times through my career of working with athletes where someone I'm getting ready. They ask me a question. I'm getting ready to explain it. And then they answer, I know. And I go, well, if you know, then why are you asking me the question? I mean, you've had to deal with that a lot, you know, helping people. But, but they probably say, I know without even looking at you. So when you're doing this, I don't know. I, I know. I know. <laughs> it's a, it's a weird thing. Social media is so incredibly great on one aspect and it is absolutely, uh, uh, a joke on the other aspect or, or destructive. I learned by watching, because um, when I was growing up, I was around the great, I thought they were average Joes. I didn't know Jeff Magruder uh, was somebody. I didn't know Doug Furness, Doyle Kennedy. If these names don't mean nothing to you, they were the greatest power lifters of the 80s. Jeff Magruder, the first guy to do 605 at uh, <clears throat> 242 pounds. <clears throat> Doug Furness, uh, over nine squat, um, uh, and then uh, uh, Doyle Kennedy over a nine deadlift. Now, I'm training at 13 years old with these guys, thinking this is average. So my ceiling of what I believe is possible was right here. It was, it was at the peak. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I saw them, and as a 13-year-old, I go, it's great you guys are this strong, which is – I don't know if it's that strong or not. I'm 13. I'm ignorant, but you don't look good. So I wanted to be both. Now you take a guy that goes to Bally's or some gym and he sees 15. That's his ceiling. That's the strong guy at the gym. Right. And, and with these kids and the reason why I'm saying this is because social media is all these kids seeing what the ceiling is for what kids do. And it's interesting because I was talking about this with my staff and I'm sitting there thinking about back in my day, 
I'm doing these photo shoots and I'm training with Barry DeMay, who was 22, you know, on the stage. Lee Haney, that was a 26, I think at the time, but he was 23 when he won uh, the Nationals of USA. Um, and Sean Ray and Flex Wheeler. And we're all, you know, uh, uh, Chris Cormier was uh, two years older than me. We're all early 20 year olds, um, but moving such iconic weights at golds and all training, you know, at one point, heavy, 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 doing low reps and then moving through the workout and doing higher reps and more intense volume. And our ceiling was each other. I got to be better than this. Whatever Chris Cormier is doing on incline, I got to beat it. Whatever Tom Plaza is doing still. Yeah, I've seen Chris train and honestly, and no disrespect to Chris, but I, you know, I, I think you're probably a lot stronger than he is. Um, I don't, you know, I've seen him at his peak and he was very, very strong. But again, it was for the number of workouts that some of the guys were doing, they were, they were only lifting that heavy weight very short periods of time um, where I've seen you do it kind of like going on and like on. Those and guys on. are all strong for a good five years. Yes. Yes. Same strength level at their peak. I've been for 30 years. Right. So the, right. the understanding of society going, well, it's got to be okay. I mean, um, bypass that. But it's for these people on social media, when they watch these kids, I wish they would at some point go, okay, this kid looks incredible. This kid is, is amazing looking, but where did he learn his information from? Cause you train a lot of these kids. Yeah. Assume when you look at this stuff, I would assume that these kids would go right to your page going, this guy looks great and he's fun to watch and he's having fun cause he's a young pup, but I want to learn the information he got. And it got from over here. Right. That, so you, the, you know, your, your, your knowledge is what, I would think that social media would uh, um, go to relative to the guys where, again, you had to accomplish something to make a name. Right. I had to win shows to get in the magazines. Right. Today, these trainers that people go to that have a million followers never competed. Right. Um, they just came up with a philosophy. They have abs. They're 140 pounds. They're smaller That's than me. Of course they have. <laughs> <laughs> They're smaller than who? Monum. Mo yeah. It's like, it's, it's like settle down guys. These guys. And I believe you cause I've seen Mona and Mona gets in crazy shape and um, you're you right. Think I'm the freak. Yeah. She's a freak. Yeah. I've, I've seen her get ready for photo shoots and for, you know, whatever. And Mona, you see her that's why your child is going to be nuts. You got to see her after the baby. This is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Going back to the whole thing, you're right. I mean, that is a whole different subject that we could actually have a full podcast on is, is how influencers have completely changed the landscape for, uh, for mostly, I think, for the worse. Because, again, anybody with some abs and some decent marketing could have absolutely no sense of like any kind of knowledge, no experience, nothing. And all of a sudden, there's a ton of people that think that they're um, some kind of uh, information outlet. And that is farthest thing from the truth. And then you have people who are established who have been able to not only have been able to do several, you know, things in regards to competing, whether it's powerlifting, bodybuilding, all of these things, but also have been able to do things on a business level and it's slow and steady wins the race. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. 
you have a lot of things that you're working on in your own businesses and you know that these fly-by-night companies that come and go whether they're supplement companies whether they're you know they're selling ebooks or whatever they are they're very just i guess lack they just don't they lack any substance because they're just purely marketing companies yeah they they, they come and go they come out and they burn out really quickly where where we're still we're still just, on and, and we're living it yeah, we'd be at the expos and you're looking at the expos and, you know, after three years, this companies had, that had the biggest booths are gone and you're sitting here scratching your head going, whatever happened to that one company here? Um, I remember one of the years we were at the expo and I saw a company called Garbage and it was all in green. I don't know if you remember that company or not. And don't. yeah, and it was it was crazy because I'm like, literally, their, the company product line was called Garbage. And it was green and it looked like something that Oscar the Grouch would jump out of. And, you know, and it was and they spent like a, at least 100 grand on this booth. I mean, it was a beautiful booth. You remember and Pinnacle? Yeah. Pinnacle. Yep. Pinnacle. Yep. EAS. Yeah. Well, so, you know, EAS, I think, flipped into something pretty, pretty good because I think uh, he ended up selling it. And uh, so some of those things kind of evolved. Was, he was the meat. Yes. Yeah. They weren't able to get that back. Yeah, they weren't able to get that back. But going going back into your your bodybuilding versus powerlifting, let's talk about your 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 nutrition. What do you do right now? Tell me how you eat, because I think a lot of people would want to know how do you eat right now. I mean, to be able to maintain this kind of strength and size. So I am always on a program, and that has always it's always been that way. I've always, uh, and you've been at expos. And this is the number one thing that you and I have heard in our entire careers. You'll get the guy that comes up to you, which will be every single guy and girl. Dude, I train great. Got no problem training. I'm a beast. Can't stay on a diet. Just have a hard time staying on a diet. Um, I'm off season, so I'm not on a diet right now. When I get ready for a show and I'm sitting there, and, and I think you could say this as well, for everybody that's listening, you and I can change somebody with nutrition alone, right. nutrition alone without exercise. Right. We can't change somebody or I at least can't change somebody that works out all day long and doesn't eat right. Mm -hmm. You're actually, de you're deteriorating the body and breaking it down because it's just never recovering. So you break it down, you break it down more, break it down more. I have consistently known that I had an uphill battle against everybody else. And so I will beat them by being the most, crazy bastard outside of the gym where I would sleep right. I would stay on my program and I would continuously be on a nutrition plan, putting on size or getting ripped up. But like right now, what do you, are you eating six times a day right now? Always. Yeah. I'm okay. eight times a day, eight times. Okay. So if you're eight times a day, what's your typical day just consists of? Can you so walk here's us another thing too, with nutrition. Um, I don't speak on anything that I haven't tried. And so I test, on myself a lot of stuff and so right now which is fun because i'm trying to get in the very best shape i've ever been in my entire life okay um for a, a unveiling after this quarantine and so the first thing which was beneficial for me on this quarantine is i got to go off season for the first time in seven years so the one thing is when i teamed up with mona and we started dating she had me guest posing nonstop, which means and for me Guest posing for me is different than the guys that are competing right now because they have to go off season. I don't have that. I don't, I could stay in shape, which allowed me to get even more guest posings because I'd show up at a guest posing in shape. 
Right. I'd be in a deficit. I was in a deficit for seven years training like a beast. Now, don't recommend that to any person alive. Right. Um, but it did translate and, and, and turn my business into something better. With that being said, I got to go off season for the first time in seven years. And again, memory muscle, everything comes back. I get as strong as I've ever been to my very pinnacle. What are you weighing right now? I, I got up to 308 and right now I'm at 286. 286. So are you on your way on your, are you on your I'm way down? Now? You're on your way down. I want to be right around the mid 260s, just dick skin. So you're, you got up to 308? Yeah. 308. So, and that's probably what percentage of body fat. Are you checking at all or do you just go by the mirror? I just go by the mirror. Okay. It's good. I'm carrying, I feel good. Um, I could, I got that mentality back that I want to actually wrestle a bear. Um, so it was, it felt great. Gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. Um, 308 pounds coming down. You're in the 280s now. So again, what are your meals comprised of right now? Are you doing like 50 to 100 grams of carbs per meal? I mean, what are your, what are your carbs and protein? I was at 450 grams of carbs, uh, 450 protein at my, uh, my highest. Okay. And then at this stage, all I was doing is slowly removing the um, uh, carbohydrates. Uh, fats are moderate. What are you getting for fats? Are you using steak? Um, steak. I eat steak four times a day. Four times a day. And how many ounces each meal? Eight ounces. Eight ounces. And that's cooked. That's cooked weight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people ask me, is that cooked, uncooked? It's always usually, you know, most Meats people. Meats are cooked. Yes. <laughs> and what kind, of, what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of cuts do you like using? I mean, like, I know you I know use... What? I, I teamed up with Piedmontese this last mm -hmm. month. Do you know them? No. Dude, I'm sending you the link. Okay. Holy shnikes. I got these. I'm not a foodie. And you know Mona owned her own restaurant. She's a foodie. She's, so, so she's a foodie. So she's terrible. Where I'm the, the bachelor guy, if you give me a cup of oatmeal, I'll eat it dry. You give yeah. me a tuna fish, I'll just eat it. But she hooked up with this company and this steak is so freaking good, dude. I got to I got to get you a care package because we have the hamburger and I got all these guys going, oh, this, this place is the very best because some of my friends own all these restaurants and this right. is the greatest hamburger in the world. Not nearly as good as this stuff. And it's lean because it's the Piedmontese comes. What are the bowls called? Piedmontese? The Piedmontese bowls and they're from Italy. Italy. So these are the bowls that look like if I was on trend. Myco trend. Is that, do they have the Myco trend bowl? Thank you, Mark Bell. They have the Myco trend bowl. So the myostatin gene is uh, removed from these bowls. So these okay. things are monstrous. So is it, is it already cooked or is it, is it something you got to cook yourself? No, no, we cook it. We cook them. Okay. Um, but it's just great. And you can get up to 7% fat uh, or the hamburgers, but it's just, I know this is off subject, but for no, it isn't. It's actually what exactly what the subject is because I think people want to know. I do. I think it's interesting. I mean, you guys in the comments below, um, you know, make sure you let us know what you want to hear. But I personally think that I would love to hear more about kind of what your carb sources are. What are your what, what kind of cardio do you like to do? Those are the things that I like to hear. Okay. Because everybody has different. First of all, the steak is unreal. You guys are going to love the steak. Um, you are what you eat and this steak is, is ridiculous. And then the, if I can look anything like these, uh, bowls, I'm, I'm good with that. So, uh, when it comes to carbs, I'm an oatmeal guy in the morning and then I'm rice throughout the day. 
Are you doing white rice, brown rice, or are you uh, white matter? rice? It, it, I will throw that brown rice out. Okay, absolutely. And here's one of the biggest things for me is I try to just like with weights. And I don't know why nobody ever really did this. You, you probably do. The metabolism is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You treat it like a baby; it becomes a baby. You force it; it grows with you. And what I mean by that is when you're always getting older and mentally getting older and you go, I got to cut back on food. I got to cut back on food. And before you know it, just like me, I didn't know I was going to train for 40 years straight, but that person that goes, Hey, I'm going to take this month off, cut the back. I'm going to, I'm going to do fasting. I'm, I'm going to do keto. I'm going to do, and they change their whole way that their metabolism works. Right. Mm-hmm. And they go, no, it's fine. I'll do it for a month. Six months later, they go, okay, now I'm going to put carbs back in. Oh, my body doesn't take carbs. Well, of course it doesn't take carbs. You've just been keeping it up for six months. What's wrong with you? Yeah, Mark Bell. That's what happened with Mark Bell. When, when I was working with Mark Bell, helping him, and he was working out with you in Venice, and he'd stayed in Malibu, I, I said he had gone from keto to carbs because he had the whole war on carbs thing going on. And what ended up happening was I said, look, you can burn off the carbs, and you're going to look better because a glycogen filled muscle is looks a lot better than a flat ketoed out muscle belly. And that's it. And, 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 and I know the soft subject, but if they understand why Mark does what Mark does right now it's because Mark can keep that. Right. Mark can do that. And, and, and anything that I speak about today, understand there's a portion of me that I can maintain whatever I'm doing, but I still have that fight to where I want to try to get better. So when I went off season, I pushed those calories. I went and pushed them more than my body was used to because I wanted to speed it up even more. And that whole process of people going, oh, well, you know, you know, as you get older, those carbohydrates don't work. They work fine. fine. You just got to be patient and allow your body time to adapt to it and remember how it used to function. Right. And you're training it off too. see, that's the other thing. I people always hear me say training it, training it, uh, training it off. What does training it off mean? It means that if you are, you can't eat 500 grams of carbs and only burn off to a 200 calorie uh, carbohydrate grams of carbohydrate workout. You got to actually put in the work to burn it off and you got to have the muscle mass to be able to utilize those carbohydrates. Otherwise they'll store as fat. So it's just what's going to happen, but you don't want to under eat. And a lot of people under eat, and then they they call it overtraining. It's really just under eating, and that's what happens a lot. So I think that when you are doing your rice, so you're doing your rice throughout the day, you're doing your oatmeal in the morning. Any other carb sources? Do you do like any types of potatoes, sweet potato, white potatoes, anything like that? No, you just like to stick to the rice. I'm basic. Got it. Basic. Yeah, you're like Uggs. Uggs and, and uh, Uggs in a, in a pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, in a pumpkin spice latte, basic. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I love about you is that I don't know why this happened either for, for society. I don't know why they don't think that the golden era and the way that they trained back then still works today. I don't know why that was removed. And so when I talk to these guys like Steve Davis, I'll stay with me for a second. When I talk to Steve Davis and uh, these old time guys or Frank Zane or any of these old timers, mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear them talk so casually about it. So what did you eat for breakfast? Steak and eggs and a potato. Then we'd go train. 
eat some steak and potatoes afterwards and some eggs. And then we go ride our bikes on the beach and suntan. And then we go back and train again. It's pretty basic. Yeah, it's pretty basic. That's a lot of red meat too back then too. A lot of red meat. And, and their cardio was out riding a bike where we have every equipment under the sun to do cardio. We have every equipment to do any exercise in the world. But there's a, there's, a, there's a very simple thing to this whole process of pushing your body when it comes to lifting weights. Try to go a little heavier, maybe try to go deeper. Maybe it's not always about the rep range as it is the range of motion. And so that's what I do with my workouts and squats. Maybe with food, if I was in a, in a deficit for so long, let, my, let me, even though I'm a healthy guy in the sense of I'm eating all the time and training all the time, let me push my calories up to let that body finally recover really well. Let me put some of that memory muscle back on. Um, let me have a surplus of calories and teach my body, hey, I need to speed up to utilize everything you're feeding me now. I'm cool with that. And that's kind of the principles when I came to training and, and nutrition is that I do nutrition a lot like training is I try to push it and I try not to go, and I'll never do this. I'll never do the age thing. Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good for 40. I'm pretty good for 35. You know, right. I, I don't get that concept. You just want to be good no matter what. Doesn't matter yeah. who you go up against. I'm, I'm still on the covers of the magazines. I'm still one of the top five guest posers in the world. There's, there's a reason for it. And it's because again, I'm going to remove what the experts on social media say, and I'll keep doing what I've been doing and keep trying to push in that sense. So when it comes to nutrition, carbohydrates is a great thing. It is a great thing. And, and, and I believe that carbohydrates, because everybody does protein, everybody does healthy fats and stuff, but it's the carbohydrates that have kept me relevant um, and recovered throughout my entire career. And it's I, not it's not rocket science brother that's that's the thing i mean it's consistency and making sure that you're on top of it what about cheat meals let's talk about cheat meals real quick like do you do cheat meals how often do you do them what do you do i i did a lot um again before i got a girl that can cook and that can turn something into something um i rarely do the the big cheats because i'm pretty satisfied with the the calorie intake um and if we do, it's funny because it's, it's just been so long since I did those kind of dirty bulks that I eat a hamburger and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good now. So, so do you do that? Like how often is it something that you plan on doing or is it just when you crave it? I want to see your point of view on this too. Sure. So, so suddenly uh, cheap meals became Sundays mm -hmm. and I, 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 I'm going to say it first and I just want to see if you agree with this. Cheat meals were for people that were in a deficit uh, that were slicing for a show and your body starts to shut down because you're just overtraining. You're not taking enough nutrients. So you want to pump up the, ca uh, the calories again to spike the metabolism, get it going again. And that's why you would have a cheat meal. Is that kind of how you used to do it? Yeah, I still do it with my athletes. What I do, uh, I do what I call a functional cheat meal. So I always plan a cheat meal a day before a weak body part on on an athlete so if somebody's got it we got to grow his arms and we're at a calorie deficit i'll throw them a cheat meal the night before you you went right over it but i don't think society's going to hear that when he's in a calorie deficit correct the cheat meal correct okay correct so there's a calorie deficit there's a cheat meal then what happens is we'll do a weak body part workout so again let's just say the arms are a weak body part on 
a client that's really lagging because he's got a strong chest or shoulders. Then the night before, I'll do a sushi cheat or a burger cheat. I'll, I'll figure out what works best for that person's body. And then sometimes even the cheat will follow through the next morning. And then I'll start adding in even more carbs that next morning. And then later in the day, have the person work out. So that way they can feel the macros and the micros. So they're going to get the carbohydrates. They're going to get sodium. They're going to get all the things that you need to be able to really expand because Glycogen doesn't become glycogen that fast. What really is triggering it is the sodium, but the lack of carbohydrates and the lack of those extra fats also trigger your metabolism to kick in, but it also triggers those amazing pumps that you need or you've been missing because you've been running flat on lower carbs or lower calories for so long. Now, what would social media say to us? I don't know, man. I don't listen. I try, I try to minimize. Are every Sunday. <laughs> right. It's Sunday. And you're not training, so you get a cheat meal. No, no, that's, that's not how cheat meals work. I think the cheat meal on the Sunday thing came about because of the work day. I think that people somehow think that, hey, look, okay, I'm going to do one um, on Sunday because Saturday, whether it's date night or whether it's it's the Sunday before you go to work, you know, like maybe, I don't know, there was a Sunday, I think, you know, American society, some, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Again, I'm a first generation uh, Iranian American who came over when I was a year old. But I know back in the day, there used to be like the Sunday dinners that used to go on with the family. So I don't know if this ha somehow replaced it where Sunday dinner became Sunday burger buffet. I don't know uh, if that kind of like that mentality of I need to feel like I'm getting a cheat meal in to feel good before going to the start my work day. Because again, you know, the people that are working the nine to fives, now the next day they're going into it so i don't know where that kind of fell in um i do I'm know cool with that, that i'm cool with that because that's the mental part of it and if Correct. it helps you stay consistent mentally i'm fine with a cheat meal what i noticed over social media health and fitness industry is that a cheat meal is no matter what even if you're on a surplus of calories you still get a cheat meal and i'm like well that's that's not actually how it works you usually do it when you're in a deficit and you're trying to spike them and tell you if you're already in a surplus ideally or you don't need to have the cheat meal and, and and this is one of the things that social media steers all these people wrong when i work with a new client they go hey i didn't see the cheat meal on here dude i got you at 4200 calories right you, you you don't get a cheat meal what are you talking about? <laughs> stop no no but on social media and that goes also with a fasted cardio is something mm -hmm. i i never speak about mm -hmm because it was something that was implemented for somebody that was getting ready for a show. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it became the housewives go to every single day when it's actually something that we use as a trick to get you just that closer to stage ready. But now they're just implementing it into the daily workout. Hey, I get up, I skip a meal, I, I go fasted cardio, and then I'll get three meals through the day. And I'm like, you're already implementing a trick and I try to do this. I try to keep all the tricks for that last stage, getting ready for me to look the very best. Because if I use all of them up, hey, I'm, doing, I'm also fasting. I'm doing day. Um, uh, all my workouts are, are cardiovascular in a sense, because I just bounce around the gym and then I get on cardio. It's like, holy shit, you work out like a beast and you eat nothing. How, they, how are you going to maintain that? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that the takeaway just now, which you which you just mentioned, was the fact that you are t using 
different aspects of nutrition and training at different points in time to break plateaus. And what people don't seem to understand is you can't take out everything from the Batman tool utility belt and, you know, because otherwise you have nothing else to go to. And then you're not going to look like this on trend. (laughs) What's up, Mona? How are you? Looking jacked as ever. (laughs) Miss you. Hi, love seeing you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're we're jammed up in the Northern California here with the pandemic going on. Then we have the fires and we have all the other things going on. But know, Mona, so for those that. those that are not are, are listening who are not going to be able to see this, Mona is um is been in the industry. I'll let you speak a little bit about it. She's been at Muscle and Fitness. Um, it, uh, she's, she's got a, a, a universe. Um, she owned a restaurant in, in Manhattan for 17 years. Uh, former editor in chief of Muscle and Fitness, hers, the uh, creator of the Mutant Child Titan, and um, <laughs> well, that's and the biggest accomplishment. 45 walking around eating carbs all day long and ripped to the bone 24/7, only training twice a week and no cardio freak if somebody's freak. a fake natty yeah it's this one <laughs> yeah so if you guys are listening to this go to the youtube and you'll be able to see mona because i'm not joking and mona hasn't competed in how long it's been since you've competed last i gosh it's been uh, seven years seven years since you competed last seven years and, almost and and you still look amazing it looks like you can get ready for a show Thank in a couple you. months and just get right back well, on you've stage seen me always so yes I walk around. Yeah, I mean, your baby is going to be monster. <laughs> Wrestling alligators and, and, and moving, you know, jumping from building to building. I got a question for you because you've sure. known her forever. Yes. And she and she also won, you know, she didn't won the team universe, you know, drug tested show, whatever. Um, 45, just had a baby a year ago and looks like this. Wouldn't this be also considered fake Maddie? That's super fake Maddie. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, get, I get that a lot. You know, a lot of people... Well, as a matter of fact, you said to me, I you always didn't say know she's, me. If I didn't know her, I would say she was fake natty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, and how many people do you think in the gym that, you know, like whether it's gold tennis or what? Oh, yeah. Would say that this is. Yeah. Weird. Well, when I started competing, I remembered, um, you know, I, I did well, you know, my show was in the beginning, whatever. And everybody was saying at my restaurant that, you know, I'm taking stuff and, and I was getting so mad in the beginning. I was like, no, I'm working so hard. Then I realized it's a compliment. So no, it, it really is. I, I really take it as a compliment. If somebody says something, I'm like, oh God, I look good. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you know, it, when somebody asked me, they said, hey, who, who are you going to have as your next guest? And I just launched this podcast um, a couple of weeks ago and we had Seth Barosi because I work with Seth and Seth's a great guy. I'm sure you guys know Seth. Great from, guy. Yeah. Seth, you know, and I turned him pro. I started working with him because everybody's like, oh, Hani only Hani only works with people that are genetically gifted. And then the first person that pops to mind is like Seth Ferrosi. The guy, you know, he was kind of a big guy, but he's a little bit on the blocky side and didn't come in shape, did only one show, Northern Kentucky, before we worked together. And it was one of those things where people want to turn around and be like, they just want to judge people right off the bat. And him and I were talking about it and saying, hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's Mike or whether there's other really good natural bodybuilders out there, you can decide what you want. But at the end of the day, 
you want to be able to say, hey, I guarantee you people are writing down how many beef meals they you ate. They were writing down what your carb sources are that we're talking about. They're talking about like no fasted cardio until you're getting ready for a show. And they're writing these things down. So at the end of the day, I think that there's a learning curve there that people want to be able to understand. Also supplements. Like what are your favorite supplements? What do you feel? Let me that see two you... things before we go to supplements real quick. Sure. Hey, Seth is so raw and real and I freaking love the guy. Yeah. And we need more Americans like him because he's just, I love that realness. He is. He's a great guy because he's, he's, he's like, it's the truth podcast. I did cocaine in college. I mean like, you know, and it was one of those things where he was just super raw about it. He's like, Hey bro, when we work together, the pressure got to me, I, I did really well, but then the pressure got to me and I had to get out. I mean, um, it's one of those things where it, there, we definitely need more people like Seth. And then the second thing, joking aside, Mona's uh, um, breastfeeding. She's 45 years old. She has a child. Um, and again, I well, think two child, two well, kids, two kids. me and me and Titan, <laughs> <laughs> but with the whole natty or not things, it's, it's funny. They, they say me because I'm more maybe because of a, a name, but she's freakier than I am. And now you got this, I got a question. Can you change your, your DNA makeup or genetic makeup by taking steroids? Are you no, you no. a six foot seven guy, 300 pounds because you took steroids? No. So what are the, what's their argument going to be now? Because I've been doing this since I was a pre-puberty. What are the, what's the arguments going to be about Titan and what he looks like now at a year? We're going to get him mentally ready for this. <laughs> but but yeah. what would be the argument back from the person going, ah, well, they're on drugs. Okay. I think, I think the cool thing is that you guys, with social media, you'll be able to document it. And obviously, you're a very forward-facing family. And so, you'll be able to document him growing up. And where back in the 80s, we didn't have that. We didn't even have cell phones. We, you know, we had a, a pocket full of dimes and a pager to call somebody back. So, it was a whole different animal. So, now, it's like, if somebody's driving around in Rolls Royce, is it his? Chances are no. So now because of that, it's just one, whether they, it's some, it's their friends or whether they rent it, they want to, to create an illusion. So I think that people are naturally skeptic. And again, whether or not they want to believe you're natural or not, I think there's so much that they can take away from with just the lessons of being able to be strong, healthy, entrepreneurial mindset, all the things that you've been able to do. I mean, you've had like hundreds, if not thousands of covers, and you've been able to make a living doing this without having to win the quote unquote big shows. So it's, I think people will understand that in this industry, there's other ways of being able to be successful when it's not just, you know, an extreme marketing plan on selling eBooks or having to, you know, win the Olympia. There's, there's, there's other types of success as well and still be in this industry. And you know what, like you said, like Mike Ashley was, was one of my kids, when I was a kid, he, Mike Ashley was the guy I kind of looked at and go, huh. And if, for you guys that don't know Mike Ashley, go look him up. Um, but he was somebody that- Great bodybuilder, amazing yeah, and So is, is it, yeah, to that point, we'll keep packed, we'll keep track of Titan and, and keep going like that. Yeah, I see him on your social media and, and he's just, he's already jacked. You know, and he's got it. What, what is he like uh, about 13 months or a year? Uh, 15 months right now. Yeah. 15 months, 15 months. Yeah. You know, he's eating hot dogs. And we're we're feeding him 45 grams of protein a yeah, day. <laughs> Are you breaking it up into six meals? Yeah. Eight meals? 
Yeah, every two hours. <laughs> That's two it. hours. That's we awesome. met the doctor. We told him how much we'll feed. He drinks a gallon of milk a day. A day and a, a night, yeah. A day throughout the 24-hour period, he drinks a gallon of milk. Is that breast milk or is that like formula? We have him on milk milk now. Yeah, straight. Just, yeah. Are you kidding milk? me? No way. I was like, wow, Mona. <laughs> the factory. <laughs> it's a factory. I didn't have enough milk for him, so I had to introduce him to the regular. You know, we give him organic cow milk or whatever. Sure. Yeah, it was like it's, I couldn't keep up. You can't. He's a monster. <laughs> That's a lot of milk. A That's gallon a lot of milk. That's <laughs> is that his middle name? Titan TT. Titan Trent O'Hearn. Oh yeah. TT. Hard bell to it. That's right. That's right. All his milk bottles is uh, half natty. Yeah, we had little sparks <laughs> of half natty. <laughs> That's, I mean, that moniker now. So going into the supplements, because I really don't want to forget this. Yeah. So what do you, what do you, um, what do you do? Like, I'm a do you... freak on glutamine. Okay. Okay. Freak on glutamine. Um, on, on low energy, I'll do a nice little mixture of uh, EAAs, BCAAs, glutamine, um, and just drink it throughout the workouts and throughout the day. Okay. Uh, I love my pre-workouts. Um, because I do get up at three in the morning, I'll take that about 15 minutes before doing anything. Are you training for, are you training like five, six in the morning? Uh, four in the morning. Four in the morning. So you're doing one meal and then going in and training? Uh -huh. Or are you doing? So passive? I'm up at three, uh, pre-workout right then. Uh, by 3.15, 3.20, I have my meal, a cup of oatmeal um, and uh, eight ounces of steak at that time uh, and two whole eggs. And then we get a workout in at four o'clock. And then again, I don't clock them. We go in, we listen to the body. Um, we, we get a good workout in. I try to, before leaving the gym, uh, I'm not so much worried about the pump as I am just the feeling of the fibers are actually already separating uh, is what I look for. So you're trying to get that firing, feeling that firing of, of the fibers so that you're getting that mind-muscle connection. What about your um, sleep? Because, I mean, you're getting up so early because I've worked with a lot of people that train late, but nobody that trains early. So what's your sleep cycle like? I get about six a night, and then I'll get a, a good hour and a half nap during the day. Got it. Got it. So you're getting about seven and a half total and... Right. And is that normally the hour and a half? Is that right after you train or is that usually later in the day? Usually, yeah. It's usually after that morning workout that I'll nap yeah. it and I wake up and I'm like, boom, got the whole day ready to work. Yeah. Workout's done and, and, and you never miss a 4 a.m. workout unless you're just lazy in the sense for me, for mm -hmm. me, lazy. Um, but there's no work I can do at four o'clock. There's nothing I can do at four o'clock in the morning except train. And I don't want to clock it. So it's just our time. It's my meditation. What about your shakes and whatnot? I know a lot of people believe in cutting out their shakes, getting closer to a show. Do you believe in any of that? Do you do you normally keep them in? Do you not use them? What do you do with your shakes? Uh, I do shakes. I like my shakes. I'll do a couple shakes a day, and those are usually just right after the training. Um, I think you were one of the biggest influences on that aspect uh, that I took from you really early on. It's just right after that workout, just get the shake in right then. Yeah. And are you running about 50 grams or are you going 75? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had guys go as high as 75 that were heavier, but 50 grams is, is the minimum for, you know, a guy in, you know, 220 plus. And my thing, my thing was like, um, the glutamine conversation is actually a really good one because, uh, 
it, it's one of those things where it's been around for a long time and there's some new research that shows that hey glutamine not not might not be as good as what they thought it was and it's kind of hard to say because we know it's tried and true and it's one so of those things let me things. ask you that mm-hmm. okay so they put out a research on that hey it may not be as good as you want what what benefits have you noticed because i've noticed tons Honestly, when I formulated Aminoject, which is my BCAA product, I did it with five grams because the two and a half grams that like some of the other brands were using, I thought wasn't high enough. So when I'm running six or seven grams of BCAAs with five grams of glutamine, that's the ratio that I like because I believe in running it and I've run it as high as about 20, 30 grams a day at, at some points. And I think that's probably the close to the dosage you're probably doing, right? Yep. <laughs> Your eyes lit up when I said those numbers. Yeah, it lights up because you know why? We're two guys. Education aside, correct. Experience, mm-hmm. experience, and you know what works on your body. And it's like somebody's arguing the point. Stop! You can't argue it. It's right. experience. It's, it's me going to a lecture. If I live in an apartment, I go to a lecture of a guy live, lives in an apartment telling you how to be rich. Dude, you're in an apartment. Why are you telling me how to be rich? I want to go see a fucking lecture of a guy that's a billionaire. Right. Not a billionaire, but a billionaire telling me how to be rich. Right. And then all these people, we got a billionaire right here talking about how to use glutamine branch chains and stuff like that. Correct. Still get those people to go, well, wait a minute. I read a research paper that said, and they did a study on five guys that ran for a living. It's like, wow. Yes. Yes. And that's that makes it dif- that makes it difficult. It really does. And I think that some of the science has gone forward and some of it's gotten a little bit stagnant when it comes to certain supplements and certain ingredients. But we all know creatine works. We all know that BCAAs work. We know that glutamine works. EAAs, there's some new good studies, but again, whether you're getting the EAAs from the protein that you're taking or whether you're getting it from your foods or whether you're getting it from now that there's, you know, everyone's like, I want EAAs. I don't want BCAAs because BCAAs, you know, obviously are um, EAs. Uh, BCAs are, are in the EAAs. So you're getting that. But I think that, that you get a little bit of research that says, hey, um, these glutamine, you know, it's, it's not that great for you or, or it's just doesn't do as much as they thought. But, but when you sit there and you've tried it and you know it's tried and true, it is a little bit difficult because you're trying to say, okay, wait a minute. Could there be some studies depending on how you have them built out to show a certain uh, result? Absolutely. But you and I both know that in the arsenal glutamine is something that should and can be used whether you're also getting higher amounts of glutamine also from protein powder as well because it's got a high amount of glutamine in it but when you're adding in the extra glutamine whether it's by itself or you're mixing it with some bcaas it's one of those things that are going to really help because you're going to realize your soreness is going to be down you're going to feel like your body just um there's a lot there's some studies out there with uh, i believe some gut health uh with glutamine as well and i think that what people do is they just get really myopic they start looking at very specific things and then all of a sudden everything behind it doesn't matter and you can't discard everything else because of one new study that came out because there's 30 years of research, 50 years of research, there's reasons why BCAAs and glutamine were put in IV bags of burn patients. So I think when you start to work on that idea of, hey, look, if they're putting it in burn patients that are massively catabolic and they're going through shock and their body's trying to uh, regenerate tissue, there's a reason why they're using this in their IV bags. So 
at the end of the day, it's because it helps with recovery. So in my opinion, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those things that should not be left out of your arsenal, but that's why it's interesting as a, as a natural bodybuilder, when I was growing up, reading all the research studies on fat loss, on herbals, on synephrine, um, uh, Advantra Z, um, Capsimax, all of those, uh, pepper extracts that help bring up your temperature because we all know fat burners. Um, I don't know how you feel about them, but I like them because they help cut your appetite. They help give you energy. And, but it's not like they actually make you burn fat, like in regards to, I'm going to take a pill and then I'm going to, I'm going to be able to eat a cheeseburger. It's more, I'm going to, it's going to help me get my ass out of bed and do cardio and I'll burn more calories, get a thermogenic effect and then help cut my appetite. So I don't eat shit throughout the day. And that's what that's really about. And people, you know, people will might think, oh, well, that didn't really work for me. Well, it's because it's not designed to sit there because if you would have done that, then everybody would just be popping that and nobody will be uh, working out. When so, it comes to I, anything like that with, with glutamine or branch chains or even EAAs or fat burners, if it can make me a percent better and it's something that's so simple, I, I don't see the dilemma. I know that I, I a lot of people will write and go, um, well, no, I don't do any supplementation. Okay. I mean, if you don't want to, that's fine. But I, I try to, if I can, if I can eat right today for the next 24 hours, I'll eat right. If I can recover, if I can take some glutamine and it does help me just 1%. Cool. I'm good with that. Um, and when it comes to anything that I do, that that's the whole mindset on it. And that, and you, did, you said something that was funny. You said, does it burn fat? Well, not really. Does it get you moving? Yeah. How much more of all this is mental? Yes. I mean, from the nutrition, from the way you train, it's still a mental game. So what's the best training plan? Well, there's a couple things. The best training plan is whatever you really like, mm -hmm. but then also that whatever it is possibly sets you up for the future to get even better. Um, now, if you're going to be a hardcore bodybuilder, then you should taper that down to whatever is the very, very best for you right then in that moment, regardless of how your mindset is. But if you want to try to do this for the next year and you just want to get in shape and be, you know, your own superhero, then it's the mind approach to the whole thing. Can, can the fat burner get my ass up and moving? hundred percent. Should you do it every morning? I would, I do it at three in the morning because of the fact I don't need the energy when I get to the gym. Mm -hmm. I need the energy to get my ass out of the house. Right. It, it has nothing to do with me in the gym. So it's all the mental aspect of it. It's, it's mentally preparing you and it's telling you, I'm ready to go. Let's get going. Now it's time to get my ass out of the house so I can go do some work. What, why don't other people look at it that way? I think it's because it's, it's, they don't realize that through experience, you start to understand that there's actually emotional triggers that go on and you need to be able to do that. And those triggers have, it's, it's like understanding the mentality of, of how to get somebody to do something like when I work with somebody, it's not just the information, it's how I present it, how I know I'm going to get them to be able to absorb it and not throw it back up and, and be able to digest it and be able to get them to full. I can write the best plan in the world, but if I know they're only going to follow 75% of this, it's like uh, what Seth said in, in, in our podcast, he's like, when I started going from listening to you to listening to only 75%, I saw what the result was. It wasn't good. And I try to, you know, make up for it with extra gear or whatever he was doing. And it wasn't a good outcome because what you're doing is you're trying to, as a coach, 
you know this, you're trying to make sure that you can give somebody what they're able to do in pieces. And if there's somebody who's very coachable, you give them larger blocks and they make bigger gains and bigger strides. But if you know that if you gave them a really difficult program and they're going to step away, then you're not going to give it to them because you're going to be like, Hey, look, man, you're going to check out in two weeks. If I give you this program, I'm not going to give you the Olympia prep program because that's not going to be it. Let's go ahead and let's kind of get you into like the one, a ball, and then let's bring you up and then try to bring you in the big leagues. Once you get your you know, your stride going. But if I sit there and give you this whole complete program and you're supposed to be eating every two hours and you're used to eating two times a day and now you're going to six. No. So let's go from two to four. Let's try to go ahead and throw in a shake. Let's, let's take baby steps to get the momentum going. And once the momentum's going, then you can get that person to be able to get some quality gains and then be able to really see how, what they can do. But otherwise they just don't seem to be able to do it. And then they'll check check out completely. And that's what I've seen. You are so nice. I don't think if people are listening to this, this is your coach to go to because you're so nice about that. <laughs> well, you just got to be, you got to be realistic, brother. I mean, that's the thing about it is just working at different levels and emotional, you know how it is. It's, it's just, you got, you got life going on. You got your girl, you got your baby, you got your businesses, you got all these things going. And I do want to talk about that before we end this is that you've been one of the few guys who I've not only have you done well, but you've done well consistently financially and everything else. Talk to me about that because what do you feel? How do you feel people can get to a point where they can actually make fitness their business? Okay. A couple of things. Uh, one is I was raised uh, having a job by nine doing a paper route because we, we family of 10, we had to help out even both, both, both parents worked. I can't believe it. You got 10. So you had nine brothers and sisters. That's right. Yeah. Four brothers, five sisters. Um, so we had to help out. And so when it came to finance, I also knew that I never wanted to wear a suit and tie and work for the man. Um, and I knew that early on, I was nine, 10, when I said, I'm going to do movies and, and do this bodybuilding thing. Um, so when I did start getting my first contracts, um, like when Weeder called me up and says, son, we need you out of Washington. You're coming to California. Uh, I'm going to put you under contract. I put that money away where it was interesting because every other guy that was with me at the time that signed contracts at the same time went out and they bought the new car. They bought the, the, the car with the big boom system and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there looking and I'm going, what do, why do I think this way where I need to put this away where all these guys are spending it? And that's when the early nineties is, is I started putting the money away and I realized early on, um, be smart, build a foundation and it has to go with the way I train, build a foundation and then you can enhance it from there. I, I saved the money as a kid. I saved it, the television money, all that stuff. I saved and I started investing in real estate and that built a foundation at an early stage to where I go, I can breathe now. Now I can start spending it after years and years and years. But everybody else I saw at that time, they lost, they just spent their money and lost it. So getting into the health and fitness world was a crazy time back then because you needed the contracts and all that. Nowadays, they, they for some reason, they think that the contract, if you get a pro card, then it's, then it's the Wizard of Oz, yeah. the greatest thing in the world, endorsements will come. There's tons of people with pro cards. And there's pros that are broke. It's like 
you still got to be a business person here. And it, this is the weirdest thing to me. This majority society that I grew up and you probably grew up with the same thing. And I saw at Gold's Gym Venice is the mentality of that the workout is the work. It's not. The workout is just you getting trying to get in shape. That's the two hours you spend there. The work is every second after that. It's right. get your out of there and do whatever else and hustle and, and, and keep saving and keep kind of build. The one thing I think for me that I, I set up smart was uh, coming from a family that work taught me to save, put away, invest, buy something that's foundation will grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I could be successful in that sense. Um, and, and I got to do that in America, which the flag and the flag, we both agree is the greatest thing in the world. Uh, do that here. Now, when somebody now with social media, it's so much easier if you do it right. Cause now you don't need the titles, which I wish you could still go get the titles cause it goes character builds character. Mm-hmm. But if you just got a crazy personality, a fun Instagram page and people want to follow you, you can make a business in this. Um, but don't make a false character. Don't be a false person online. You can only sustain that so long. You can only sustain that so long. That fault, that false narrative that, or I should just say that false persona is probably a better description of that is that you can only maintain that. It's just like the fake guys that are driving around in the fake cars and, you know, and they're renting them or they're using their buddy's car and they want to show that they're balling. It seems like the cool thing at the time and maybe ride that for about three or four years. But now what's interesting is that social media, and this is what's great for me in a sense is that social media has been around long enough that you could see these 30 year olds that were 20 year olds and looking freaky. And then they're in the beginning of their 30 year olds. And that's still young for us, mm-hmm. but they're already in worse shape than they were in their twenties. But they're talking about their principles of training and nutrition. And I'm like, wait a minute. Um, you're 30 and you don't look as good as you are 20, but you're giving advice about training. You can't even maintain in your thirties. What's going on here? Right. The whole false narrative. Hey, this training principle is the greatest thing in the world. You've established what you know by your experience and the people you work with. Yeah. You make, you make champions. That's what yeah. you do. It'd be like, it's, it's, you don't need to make a facade about, Oh, my training is better than this person. We already know you, you know what you're doing. Right. Um, that's what I hope these people do out there. They don't try to get a fad going, Hey, I'm the keto person. This is how right. you should diet. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a thousand of them. Right. And so it learn, educate, be who you are and try to be something more than just a, the, the person that spits out the nutrition or, or the training and, or just a bench press guy. Every post is a bench press, try to create a, a personality that people want to be around you and listen to you. And you got something to offer. That's great advice, man. That's great advice. I I really appreciate it. One last thing I do want to ask you before I let you go. What the hell happened when you fell off a stage and you became the greatest meme of all time? <laughs> Holy shnikes. So the one thing that kind of does go um, is your eyesight after 50. Um, and I came out, I was on the stage for just a second. My eyes didn't um, switch over from those lights. And I was so pumped up and I start walking forward. Dude, I so thought the stage was still going out. And then my foot was in the air and I'm like, I'm going over. But uh, 
So you saw, so you didn't even see it coming. You just kind of felt it and then it just, you're gone. As soon as my foot was in the air where there was no stage, then my eyes caught it and I'm like, I'm hitting the ground. I did a little tuck roll, hit the ground, popped up, jumped up on a chair, kept guest posing. Um, and then that thing went viral. Crazy viral. I think that made you like, uh, your followers probably just spiked right after that, right? It went 100,000 in a month. That was crazy. It blew up, it, it, but it was funny. It's Well, I'm glad you were okay though, because you had no serious injury from that. No, I banged, a, it was a nice little judo drop, hit the floor, got right back up and kept moving. I never posted the continuous video because the one video was just so funny, me, me biting it. Yeah, well, you know what? That's one of those things where um, I'm glad you were okay on that. But at the end of the day, it was crazy. Cause I, got, I was scary the first time I saw it. And then after you see it over and over, then it's funny because then they add in all the other ones where you're flying around and you're like, you know, and they add the doot, 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 doot. And it's just hilarious. But um, I'm just, I'm glad you're okay, man. And I'm, I really wish you well. I want to say thank you for taking the time coming on the We can talk forever, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to seeing you um, soon once everything opens back up so we can get in and we can get a training session together. Maybe we got to do that. Yep. I got, I got to do that with you, brother. I'll come up there because I got to see Mark and his gym and up there. I got to get up Northern Cal. Yeah, either way, we'll get together, get a workout in together. Let me know, guys. Again, make sure you like, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Um, I Again, this is my second guest. So thank you again, Mike. I appreciate it. I love it and I'm Hani Rambod, Michael Hearn, and this is the truth.